This morning we're going to continue with our IC Beauty series. We have been walking through the seven letters to the seven churches in Asia Minor as we find them in the book of Revelation. And what's amazing is when these letters were given to the churches, it says that it should be addressed to a certain church, but then at the end of every letter, it says, you who has an ear, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches, not just to that church, but to the entire church. And it's been an incredible journey. It's been a journey of going deep. It's been a journey of, of really just mirroring our lives against everything that God and Jesus has for us. And the way I see it now is it's almost like the seven letters is, is the entire Bible and the message of Christ just crunched into seven letters. When we look at how we need to live and good works and loving him and, and making it about Jesus and laying down our lives and holding on to him, it's the message of the entire Bible. And I'm excited for where we're going to go this morning. Quickly looking at where we've been already, we looked at four churches. The very first church, Ephesus, we spoke about returning to your first love. Then the second week, we were in the church of Smyrna, remain faithful even to death. These people were deeply persecuted, and the encouragement is keep on, keep on, keep on. Thirdly, we went to Pergamum, and we looked at the encouragement to keep on holding fast to Jesus, but then live holy. Live a set-apart, holy life and deal with the things that he doesn't approve of. And then last week, Anthony did an incredible job to take us not just through the letter, but the entire Bible, uh, when he spoke about being increasing in your faithfulness and good works. That it's not just now that you follow Jesus, you do a few things and it's good. There needs to be an upward curve of faithfulness throughout. So this morning, we're going to look at the church letter to the church in Sardis, and if you have your Bible, please turn with me to Revelation chapter 3. I'm going to read for us, pray for us, and then we're going to hear what Jesus has to say to us this morning. Revelation 3, chapter, chapter 3, verse 1. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. Yet you have still a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. To the one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches." Spirit of God, we pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning. We want to hear what you are saying to your church, to your bride. Thank you that you see beauty and that you call in us the fullness of your design for us as your bride. And I pray this morning as we look at your word that you would anoint it and that we would feel an awakening stir inside of us as these words to Sardis are so relevant to us today. So I ask Jesus that you will speak to every heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Very interesting letter. Quick few observations. It sounds a little bit different like 
in comparison to the other letters. Um, what's interesting about this letter is that there wasn't a compliment for this church. Previous letters held compliments as well, saying, I love this and I want to approve of this and I want to say, well done here, but for Sardis, it was a little bit different. Jesus spoke in a different way and he just said, listen, Sardis, there's a waking up that is desired in you. What's also interesting about this letter is the other letters refer to outside opposing forces. There's a Jezebel, there's, there's the Nicolaitans and other false teachers and then there's the devil and there's the Roman Empire and everything against the church, but Sardis doesn't speak about anything on the outside. It only speaks about the church on the inside. It's saying, I wanted to speak to you. I'm not gonna talk to anything on the outside. This is a you and me moment. Jesus is coming to this church. And I think it's important to, to understand that because I think what Sardis has gone through has been the story of human existence. Being awakened to God and falling asleep again. Loving him and pursuing him and going after him and then falling into a season of neglect in our spiritual walk. It's the story of Israel. You can go through the whole of the Old Testament and you would see how these people are like, yes, the God of Israel, the God of our fathers. But then before they know it, they've grown cold again and maybe dead inside of themselves when they think about their God. And then God comes and gives them an opportunity to be awakened again to Jesus. And that's the message this morning, is wake up and be revived. It's the message of this letter. It's like, wake up and be revived. I remember as a young boy, I really had a massive infatuation with a Dodge Viper. It's a car. So all of my passwords as a young boy was Viper, and in class when I didn't listen to the teacher, I would draw Viper signs, and some people might have thought that I'm falling into Satanism with all the Vipers and the tongues and the, 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 the snake, but I just really liked the red car, the Viper, with the two GT stripes, amazing. And then one day I got enough money to get it to buy myself the plastic model version of the Dodge Viper. <laughs> never in my life have I driven a Viper, I've never heard it. Maybe I still will one day. But the plastic version was just that. It was plastic. It had the reputation of a viper, but it was dead. Excuse me. Let me just hit snooze here. How many of you have been hitting the snooze button on Jesus? Supposedly follow him, but when he calls you, just... Not today, thank you. Back to my message. The Dodge Viper had the reputation of being an incredible car, but I haven't felt the living version of it yet. And I think this is the message in Sardis. You have the reputation of being a church and an alive one, but it says Jesus knows the truth. Can you imagine the scene? They come together on their Saturday for their, their congregation and their time together of worship and the reading of the word and, and there's a special vibe in the air that specific morning because they received a letter 
And it was sent by the Apostle John to the messenger or, or whoever needs to bring the message that morning and says, read this letter to that church. And, and the letter's being opened up and the expectation of, we've got a letter. And then they hear the story of how this letter was written. And it's that John, the beloved Apostle, had an encounter with Jesus who's now in heaven. And he saw an open vision. And Jesus had a specific encouragement for us as a church. That would have made me feel quite alive in that moment, right? Like, oh, this is amazing straight from heaven to us. And the letter is opened up and it speaks about Jesus being the messenger and his authority and who he is. And then it says, I know your works. Jesus knows. We've been saying it all along. This entire series is that Jesus knows. He says, you have the reputation of being alive. Imagine there was a long dramatic pause. Like, that's amazing. People look at us and We're alive in a well church. And all of a sudden, the plot twist comes. But you are dead. You look amazing. But I know on the inside, it's dead. So wake up and be revived. Let's look at the text this morning. It starts with speaking about the fullness of the Spirit and the message that belongs to Christ. It's the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Let me explain this to you this morning. It speaks about, again, the lordship of Jesus. This is Jesus speaking. It's not man's idea of what church should look like. This is Christ speaking to his bride, saying, I see more in you. I want to call out the best in you. And then he says, let me explain to you exactly what I hold and what I possess. I possess the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. The seven spirits, God represents the fullness of the Holy Spirit. The fullness of all spiritual essence rests in Jesus. He possesses it. He says the one who has it, it belongs to him. And then he also says the one who holds the seven stars. And if we go back to Revelation 1 where we started, the seven stars, it's explained to us, speaks about the seven angels or messengers who were given tasks to go to the churches and bring the message So this starts with Jesus reminding us that the fullness of the Spirit rests in Him and the fullness of the message is from Him. So out of that, He says, my church, I want you to be revived. Revival and being revived speaks about something that was alive, that is now dead, that is being awakened again. But here's the key this morning is revival is locked up in the fullness of the spirit of Jesus and the fullness of the message of Jesus. Revival is not locked up in a group of people who say that we're gonna bring revival. Revival is not locked up in a certain methodology or a certain group or a church that is now appointed to bring revival. Now, yes, through church history, we've seen that there has been moments of reviving that which is dead unto Jesus, but Jesus says, Let me remind you that revival is all because of my spirit and my message. And yes, we have a desire for that. We pray for that. We cry, God, bring revival to our nation. Bring it to our community. But it's by him and through him and from him that he walks into a community and says, wake up. Let you be revived in me again. And this as the, the foundation of our message this morning is important Because I believe this morning there's going to be a spirit work in us and we're going to see the message of Jesus to our hearts and that would light again an awakening 
in each of us. It's, it's entirely impossible for me as a human being to awaken you to God. That's Jesus' job. All I'm doing is I'm pointing to him. I'm saying, let Jesus awaken you this morning. Let him awaken you in fullness. Maybe some of you have been walking around with a toy Dodge Viper. And this morning Jesus says, I want to give you the real deal. I'm going to call you into everything. Colossians 1 says it so beautifully. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. By him all things were created in heaven and on earth, the fullness, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. So he speaks to Sardis and he says, before I speak to you personally, let me remind you of who I am and my sovereignty. I'm the one who holds the fullness of the Spirit of God. And I'm the one who determines the message. And this morning, we're going to get into that and see what he has to say to Sardis and following us today. The first thing that Jesus speaks about is reputation. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive. Word on the street is that every nation of the West is a great church. And you know what? I love that that's the word on the street. I'm not saying that in any proud statement here. I believe in you guys. I believe that what God is doing here is wonderful. And he's saying this to Sardis. He says, you know what? Word on the street in this city, you guys are, you're the bee's knees. You're doing amazing. You are fully alive. You're fully engaged. You're living it up. People talk about you like, yes, this is amazing. You see, reputation is not a bad thing. In fact, the Bible speaks about it quite a few times. Proverbs 22 verse 1 speaks about it's better to have a good reputation than a whole lot of money. So if you've got to choose between money and reputation, go for reputation. Much better. And then we're going to see in a minute, and I'll get there, in the book of Acts, it speaks about reputation. But Jesus is saying, your reputation is pretty good. He's not saying don't have a good reputation. He's saying you have a good reputation in the streets out there. I'm going to get to what he says after that in a moment. But here's the key this morning. One of the greatest strategies is when you think a church is amazing and it holds an amazing reputation. And on closer inspection, you realize that that's not the truth. That's why Jesus says, I know your works. Man doesn't determine whether you are good or bad or right or great or not. The people out there might just say, yes, that church, 10 out of 10, but I'm speaking now. I'm the one who knows. I'm not interested in whether you have a phenomenal reputation. I'm interested in what happens behind the closed doors. I'm interested in what happens in here. It's the same with marriage. You have friends over, you hang out. It's just like, yes, that couple, they're just amazing marriage. The reputation outside is looking great, but then you go home and you realize there's some more work to do. By the way, that's always the story. <laughs> Be encouraged. It's amazing though, because God moves us into holiness through marriage. But he's saying, I know your works. You have a reputation of being alive. The world out there speaks well of you. And it is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Acts chapter 6 speaks about reputation like this. Select from among you seven men of good reputation. 
But listen to what it says after that. Full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge. What happened in this moment is the first church was born, and there was just an upsurge of people meeting Jesus and being converted and following Christ. And this church is growing, and it's alive and well. And the elders and the apostles who need to lead this church are so busy ministering to people that they said, we're neglecting to just pray and read the Scriptures. So we're going to find some men, good reputation, a good name, but that's not our only prerequisite. We also need them full of the Spirit and see how this echoes the one who holds the seven spirits, full of the Spirit and filled with wisdom, the one who holds the message. So this is the desire that God has for each one of us. That we will have a phenomenal reputation. But sadly, some of us have been hitting snooze on Jesus. He's been calling you to spend time with him. You come here, you go to life group, you listen to the music, but you're not awakened. Maybe next week, Jesus, when we talk about the church in Laodicea, I'll be ready. See, we can't just be after a great reputation. We've got to be after the fullness of the Spirit and the wisdom of the message of Christ Jesus. Then Jesus moves on. He says, let's talk about the reality. Not that interested in the reputation. I want to talk about the reality. And then he says it straight, you are dead. The reality is on the inside, behind the scenes, where no human eye can see, where I'm looking, it's dead. I remember growing up in a church environment where there was a very systematic approach to your walk with God, I guess. Not very relational, it's all based in a religious system, and what it looked like for me, and maybe some of you have been in similar spaces, is going through school, your walk with God is almost like determined year by year. So you go through things, and you get stickers, and you stick it on and stuff, and then when you get to matric, you go through what they called confirmation. Anyone can relate to that? And I remember sitting in such a church environment where all my friends would be paraded up on a stage for their confirmation. They're now in the fullness and the development of being an adult in God. And they had to make these confessions about their belief. But on the inside of me, I knew that that's not true of them. They say these things, but they don't live it. They say, I follow God and I'm a Christian. But when I look at their lives, there was no life in that. And I'm not saying that from a judgmental statement. I'm saying that I sat back. I'm like, I don't want to go through a system and have the reputation of having the certificate with the seals. And I've been through my confirmation. Look here what I'm carrying. But in the meantime, when Jesus had to come and give a closer inspection, he would say, you're dead. You're sleeping. You're slumbering. You're not awakened. He uses strong words, death. You're dead, Sardis. The city thinks you're alive, but you are dead. What's interesting about this is Jesus speaks about death quite a lot. The Bible is, speaks about it all the time, and it says that once we were dead in our sins, 
in our sinful nature. But then what did God do? He made us alive with Christ for he forgave our sins. And we were dead, if you go study the rest of scriptures, we were dead in our trespasses. We were dead in our dead works. We were dead in our religion. But what did Jesus do? He came and he put life in us. So this doesn't then imply that Sardis didn't get that. They were a church. They were people who gathered because they were made alive in Christ. But something happened there that they've been neglecting that made them dead to Christ again. The Bible is full of such thinking that it's possible to be made alive in Jesus and have that reputation and going to church and your religion and yes, I'm a Christian and some of many of us fall in that trap of being a cultural Christian. My mom, my dad, the this and that and confirmation and I did all of these things and you put up the plastic Dodge Viper image but on the inside there's nothing that's awakened to him. Just nada. You can go and look but you won't find anything. Jesus speaks about this in a shocking statement, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, towards the end of his discourse, he says, now when I return or in the last days, many will say, Lord, Lord, many will say, I have the reputation. But the reality is that I'm going to turn and say, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of evil. That's strong, guys. But here's the message for us this morning. That Jesus loves his bride so much and he sees beauty that he brings a message of revival. He says, Sardis, you can be revived. I have revival available to you. I love you so much that even though you look great to the outside and I know that that's not the case, can I come and give you the key to revival? Because I love you and I want to see you restored in your relationship with me. He says, wake up. He walks into the room of our hearts and he says, wake up. Here's an opportunity. Come now. Ricky shared with us this week how it is with his home. He needs to wake up the kids every morning and then it's once I come wake up and then Second, third, you guys can relate, fourth time, and at some point you're just like, whatever, and you just let them just sleep. But Jesus loves us enough that he walks into our unawakened hearts and he says, I want to wake it up. Isn't that beautiful? You might be sitting here this morning like, yeah, there's a lot of me that feels pretty dead inside when I think about God. He's at your heart right now saying, let me wake it up for you. Let me bring life there again. That's what I died for. I have died for your trespasses and to make you alive. And if you're not living there, you're the one losing out. You see, we've got to think about this. If you are dead to God, it's not his mistake or something that he's done wrong. It's all on you. And when Jesus wakes us up, he doesn't walk into the room of our hearts and says, wake up, Henry. And then if you don't wake up, he starts kicking you and pulling you out of bed and says, put on your clothes and get out the door. He brings the call. We've got to decide whether we want it or not. We've got to be able to say, okay, Jesus, awaken in me everything that you have for me, please. I desire it. 
And that's what this message is all about. He speaks about revival. And I think what he addresses here is the spiritual atrophy that this church has found itself in. He says, strengthen what remains. So atrophy, I want to explain that to you, is a medical condition that happens to your, your body or your muscles when you don't use it. If you have had an uh, accident or you would be in bed or hospital or, I don't know, a coma or whatever, and, and you lie there and you don't use your body the way you should and your muscles, because of neglect and not using it, it deteriorates until it becomes useless. Atrophy described in the dictionary is a gradual decline in vigor and effectiveness due to underuse and neglect. And Jesus says, wake up before it's too late, Sardis. Wake up, church. Wake up, followers of Jesus, before it is too late. And if there's any life still in you, strengthen it. Work that muscle again. Get up and get going again in the fullness of what I have for you. I'm the one with the fullness of my spirit. I'm the one with the fullness of my message. It's available to you. Wake up and be awakened once again in everything that I am and I have for you, church. Strengthen that muscle. Don't neglect it until the place where it is too late. Hebrews 12, Isaiah 35. So many places in the Bible. It says in Ephesians, wake up, O sleeper. It speaks about that in Romans. It says, lift up your drooping hands, strengthen your feeble knees. That part where you should have trained for godliness and exercised your faith and walk with me and spend time with me, but you've been hitting the snooze button. Let it not decline to the point of no return. Wake up and strengthen it again. He gives him four things to do. I believe it's the action plan of revival. First of all, strengthen what remains. But it's hard work, so I'm just going to hit snooze for another season of my life. Have you been hitting snooze on Jesus, church? Lord, just, I know you've been calling me, but I know you want me to honor you with my finances, but I know you've called me to share my first love with the world. I just don't want to hear it now. Second part of the action plan is remember what you received. This is important. See, we live in the world of forgetting. Goodness, do we forget quickly because it's just the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And in Deuteronomy 8, Moses speaks to the people of Israel and he says, please do not forget what God has done for you. Please don't forget it. And he, he goes in this beautiful just retelling of God's faithfulness to them as a nation. He saved you out of slavery. He took you through the wilderness. He's put you in the way to the promised land. Please don't forget that. And oh, Israel did it so many times. They forget what God has done. And they find themselves worshiping idols, falling asleep in bed in their trespasses against God. And Jesus says, my church, strengthen what you have. And remember what I have given you. Because what I have given you is far greater than anything this world has to offer. What I have given you, Ephesians 1, is the fullness of every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms I have given you. Remember that. Live in that. Third thing is keep on to it. 
Don't just think about it, but exercise it. Hold on to it. Live in that space where it is your ultimate treasure. And then he says, and repent. Oh, such a word we don't want to say in our modern church world anymore. Why? It is <laughs> Repentance is a way to be completely connected to the Father again. It is a way to say, Lord, I don't want to fall asleep. I don't want to be dead. I want to be alive. So take everything in my life that doesn't please you and puts me on a different road and just, just take it out. And I'm sorry for it. I want to be back on track with you and be awakened in you again. I want to change the way I think and move and act. I want to turn away from spiritual death. I'm going to put everything in following you again. It's the action plan that it gives us, church. Strengthen what remains. Work on that which you have. Remember what I've done for you, what I've given you, the price I've paid for you on the cross, the fullness of life that I have for you. Hold on to it and start living differently. Maybe you are here today because of a long history of just attending church. And some part of your heart realizes this morning that if Jesus had to pay real close attention, which he is paying, by the way, there might be some dead in there. The invitation is to repent. My church, I love you enough to tell this to you because I want you to be fully awakened in me. So just turn away from that way of thinking. You don't get to heaven by attending church. It's not a quick ticket out of hell. It's not a quick fix. Following Jesus is not, now everything will be okay. Now that I follow him, life was gonna be bliss. In fact, he said, those who follow me will suffer persecution. It's gonna be hard, guys. But can our hearts continuously be awakened to him? And if it's not, just say, God, it's not. I repent today that I've allowed other things to awaken me except you or apart from you. So come and awaken in me again the desire after you. Then Jesus issues a warning. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. This is very interesting. He speaks to Sardis in a very real, tangible way here. Because if you study the history of the city, twice in the history up till this point, estimately where Jesus spoke to them, They've been overthrown by armies or thieves at a completely unexpected moment. So they just went about their normal lives. They're eating, drinking, going around life, family, business. And then all of a sudden, the enemy stepped in and plundered their city twice. The third instance in this city is that there was a major earthquake in this area of Turkey during nighttime while they were sleeping that canceled most of the city. So Jesus is saying, in the same way that you physically saw the city nearly destroyed, if you just carry on with life and you're not on guard, you're not keeping the fire and the flame alive and being awakened to me, I'm gonna come like a thief, Sardis. So repent, turn back to me and be awakened. And then he comes with the beautiful promise, robes of righteousness, to the one who conquers, he will be clothed in white garments. And I will never blot out his name of the book of life. Let's just stop there for a moment. Jesus speaks earlier in this letter about a small minority, a few that 
have white garments because they have not soiled their garments. They have kept their hearts awakened to him. And then he says to the rest of you, I need you to be awakened again. And then because of the cross and the message of the gospel, because of what I have done, one day you're going to be clothed in the fullness of white garments. And when I look at you, I see you washed clean, whiter than snow. My garment is red because I've made you, because of my blood, and I've made you white and clean because of the cross. But it's, it's going to come through faithfulness in walking it out with me. Hebrews 10 says, we are not of those who shrink back. And he has no pleasure in our souls. We are of those who remain in our pursuit of him. He says, I've got white garments cleaned, cleaned out. And you'll be walking with me to the one who conquers. This is what I have available. And it's nothing that you do that makes your garment clean. It's nothing that you can do that gives you this new identity. It's all because of me, Sardis. So just take it and live again in that awakening of what I've done for you on the cross. Will you wake up? And take it. And here's something interesting. He says, I will never blot out his name from the book of life. I suggest that this implies that there's the possibility that some names in the book of life could be blotted out. That's why Jesus said, many will say, Lord, Lord, you've been dead on the inside towards me. You've done all the things. You've attended the services. You went to life group. You've listened to the music. You've done what your parents wanted you to do. You went because your spouse asked you to, but on the inside, you and me, it's nothing. It says to the one who keeps walking with me, awakened in me, who said, Lord, wake me up. I'm ready to be awakened in everything, and I'm gonna make sure that life does not steal that away. This very week, I had to deeply investigate my own heart and realize, well, Pierre, there are places in my walk with Jesus where I have allowed life, to steal away my awakening in him. I can make an endless list that we can all relate to at some point. Worry, strife, stress, life, busyness, families, problems, pain. It's constantly against this awakened life to Jesus. And I had to say, Lord, just awaken me again. Let that not be the story of my life. I don't want to be Sardis, I want to be fully awakened. Not because I've got a nice Christian community and we hang out and we encourage one another and we post some verse of the day and a little prophetic word here and saw this on Facebook and, oh, this blessed me. It's great if it blesses you, but if that's your awakening, your awakening has got to be with you and Jesus every day. Your awakening has to be Jesus, I'm waking up today, an hour earlier, because I want to spend time with you. Think about this. If you hit snooze on a Monday morning, because you just don't feel up to going to work, and you go to work eventually, because you're going to be in trouble if you don't, there might be a little bit of awkwardness and a conversation with your boss. Do it the next day, because you just don't feel like it, or you just want to put snooze on work, it's going to be a little bit more awkward. Going the third day, you just decide, oh, you know what, I'm really not in the mood for this. I'm just going to hit snooze and sleep another two, three hours. Go down a week or two, maybe a month down the line, and the next moment there's going to be disciplinary hearings. And if you keep going in, in this way, you just might just have your boss call you up one day and say, you might as well just 
Don't even set the alarm. Just stay in bed. In the same way, if we just keep doing this, not today, Jesus. I'm too busy, Jesus. I can't now, Jesus. Lord, my family needs this. I need this. I need that. We might just be dying on the inside towards him. Have you been hitting the snooze button on Christ? And then it ends with a beautiful imagery that Jesus gives us. He says, for those who conquer, they will walk in garments white, and I will confess their name to my Father and to his angels. It means that Jesus is in heaven saying, you know what, Father, I want to confess Hazel's name to you. Because she's awakened in me. She's an incredible daughter of mine. Angels, do you hear? I want to speak to you about Hazel for a minute. I walked into her life and I said, wake up. And you know what? She got out of bed and she woke up. She's walking with me. I want to tell you about Dave, Father. David, John R. Russell. Is that the whole thing? I don't think it's that formal in heaven. But I'm trying to paint a picture. Father, let me tell you about David. Angels, do you hear? I want to talk about David Russell. I want to confess his name here in heaven because he's walking it out with me. He's awakened. He has not allowed himself to fall asleep and grow cold on the inside towards me. That's what's happening for those of us who pursue him and make him our desire and says, okay, God, when you step into my world and you say, it's time to wake up, I will say, great, switch off the alarm, let's go. And this morning, I believe Jesus is walking into the rooms of some of our hearts. And you might just be in that slumber with a duvet over your head and it's lucky he saw. And the alarm has been going off and Jesus is going to walk in right now and he's already done so through the hearing of the word and he says, come, let's go. I want to wake you up, let's walk. And he keeps going and then you have a decision to make. You might do it once, twice, three times, but at some point, you've got to get out of bed. I love how very practical this letter is. He's using a simple everyday thing like sleeping to speak to us. So I don't know where you are at this morning with Jesus, but I want to go back to the fullness of the Spirit, which is established in the beginning, the seven spirits. I want to read this verse to you this morning. The Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. What does he give to us? He gives us life. And he's saying the very spirit, the fullness of the spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you the moment that you come to Christ. The question is, have we been living in atrophy where we have neglected or underused that and has slowly slipped away to becoming ineffective and weak in our walk with Christ. This morning, all it is like, Lord, sorry that I've allowed spiritual atrophy in my life. That I've neglected to understand that the fullness of your spirit is in here. That I can walk into this world and I can confess Jesus at every opportunity. That I can wake up in the morning and the first thing I think about is Jesus. That I can go to bed and the thing that I love most about my life is that I have Jesus. 
that I love Him, that I walk with Him, and His Spirit is in me and empowers me and gives me everything I need for life and godliness. I'm living in that space of being awakened and there's a fire in my belly and my bones that no one can put out. That's what this message is all about. Sardis and every nation's summer is a waste. So this morning, wake up and be revived. That's what He's calling us to. That's what He's calling you to. Again, it's not because of my preaching. Please not let it be that you'll be awakened this morning. It's because of His Spirit. It's because of His love for you that He would have put this letter in His Word and would have allowed every nation of the West to preach it today because He has an appointment with you and saying, I'm not going to let you slip into death. I want to come and strengthen what I've done in you before and awaken in you again everything that I have for you and the fullness of my Spirit. I don't know where you are at. I can only speak for myself. It's impossible to figure out where your space with Jesus is. I, I know there's some great reputations in this room. I can see it. I know you guys. Good reputation. But Jesus knows what's happened, happening behind the reputation. So this is a you and Jesus moment. And I really, I know we always say this, but I really want you to think about this really don't care for your spouse in this moment. Don't care for your life group leader or whoever is around this room that you're like, oh, they're going to look at me and it's going to be... Can you take a moment with Christ? Can you imagine for a moment how He's in your bedroom and He's saying, wake up, let's go. We've got some incredible things ahead of us. And can you ask yourself the question, is that where you're living? You're getting up and going with Him. David said that he was dancing in the streets according to the scriptures half naked and he said I will be even more undignified than this what would it look like if all of us love Jesus so much and so awakened to him that we honestly don't care what the world thinks anymore you see that's what he sees in his bride he sees a people who's so in love with him and so awakened that we can't wait to tell someone else about him. That we can't wait to live a life that's all for his glory. So this morning, Jesus wants to wake us up again. Why don't we close our eyes? Lord Jesus, I pray that the fullness of your Holy Spirit would be in this place. pray, Lord, that the fullness of your Holy Spirit would knock at every heart and that we would open the door and that we would say, Jesus, wake us up again. Lord, we want to turn away from the times and the moments where we were woke, woken up to other things instead of you. Lord, we want to turn away from the times where we have fallen into our human nature of excuses or comfort and have neglected or underused the fullness of the Spirit of God. So we ask now, Holy Spirit, come. Come awaken hearts. Get us out of our sleep. 
desire it, Lord. We want to walk in garments white. We want to walk in the confidence that our names are in the book of life. We want to walk in the experience that not only do you dwell in us in fullness, but out of that comes life and everything that we need for life as your word is promised.